Hello, we're so glad to have you join us for this first episode of Mama's Nightmare, where we will be talking about anything from moms that murder to family murderers, kids being kidnapped and or murdered, or even being killers, which are all a Mama's Nightmare. I'm Rhonda. I'm Alicia, and we're a mother-daughter duo giving you our spin on these nightmares from a mom's perspective. Today, we're going to be talking about Christy Sheets. Since this is our first episode, we wanted to introduce ourselves. I'm Rhonda, a mother of two and grandmother of four. I work full-time for a well-known app. I'm obsessed with true crime podcasts, shows, and documentaries. I'm Alicia, a wife and a stay-at-home mama of three who just started listening to true crime podcasts. But I like watching documentaries and thrill-seeking movies with my husband. I'm the one that suggested that we start a podcast since we love to discuss these nightmares. And of course, I think people need to hear our opinion on them. For today's nightmare, we're going to discuss everything we know about Christy Sheets and how she chose to punish her husband. Trigger warnings are family murders and suicide. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's grab a cup of oatmeal and let's talk about a nightmare. For this first nightmare, I'm going to tell you about Christy Sheets and the tragedy that befell the Sheets family on June 24th of 2016. That's the day that she killed her two daughters and then committed what they call suicide by cop. Before starting, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on this family. Okay. Okay. Christy Sheets. She was born as Christy Bird. She was 42 years old. She grew up in Decatur, Alabama. Her mother was young when she gave birth to Christy, so essentially her grandparents raised her. She was, and so she became very close to her grandfather, and she was extremely close with him up until the time of his death, which was in June of 2015. Now, this June of 2015 is going to become very important as we move along. Okay, now the next thing I want to tell you is just a little bit about Jason. He grew up just about 15 minutes away from her in a little town, in another small town called Trinity, Alabama. Um, he also mentions in a thing that he grew up and from the time he grew up he suffered from OCD he got this diagnosis from he was like from the age of nine years old I think that's extremely early that's a, that's very to have very early to be diagnosed to to be I don't know if he was necessarily diagnosed but he says from the age of nine from is what I can find out he had OCD so what kind of OCD did he have? Was it like he had to touch things to a certain extent? I don't know. I don't know if it was that or if he was neat. He never really goes, I never really find what sort of OCD he has. Um, but apparently he, he one, at one time talks about being a runner. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that is something that once he gets into something, he has, you know, like you and I have a habit or something. I think he has a need to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of people that have OCD are ending up being, uh, they're neat freaks. Yeah. They're not all, I don't think he was so, I think the type that you're talking about where they have to touch things so many times and do all that, those are almost crippled with it. But he worked. He did a normal job and he did things every day. And I don't think that he was like that. But I think he, anybody with OCD yeah. can be hard to live with. Yeah, we had a we had a girl that I worked with for a while, and she always had to have things in a very certain way. And if you moved them around, she had to go and switch them because she couldn't she couldn't focus. And a lot of people, like in an office situation where they do something like that, you 
it's fun to just go move the pencil to the other side of the table and watch them come back and sit down and go, oh, and they got, got to put it right yeah, back. Yeah, because it's all because back in the same. They, it's got to be right where they're at. They can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. So I can see. We, yeah, we always did that to her. I can see being, you yeah. know, oh, yeah, ooh, what's this? Yeah. When you're bored. But, okay. But despite the fact that he had the OCD, he still managed to be outgoing. Mm-hmm. And he was a fun person to be around and he was a popular kid you know and he uh was really well liked by all the people at his high school he went to a, a school called east lawrence high school okay well the two of them met at a sporting event and there was kind of like an, an immediate attraction and so they started dating real soon and once from what i can tell once they started dating they were always together and you know christy was this beautiful blonde-haired woman with blue eyes and Jason was one of those that they uh, that people would talk about him having those all-American good looks you know so they were just a popular couple and they just seemed to be the perfect couple together and everybody thought that they were wonderful and then of course once they got out of high school they got married and they started family pretty soon off they ended up having two daughters they had Taylor and Madison Taylor was born while they lived in Huntsville Alabama and Madison was born in another little small town called Coleman, Alabama. When they, uh, and I as know, they were a family of four, what? I know where Huntsville, Alabama is. Do you know where Coleman is? I've actually been to Coleman, but I couldn't tell you where it's at. <laughs> is it close to Huntsville? Um. Or is it like on the other side? Like, I know. Because, I mean, we lived. Yeah. We lived in Alabama for a little while. We did, and but I mean, we lived very, just right <laughs> over. On the border over the border of it. We were really close, but, and, but I think it's Birmingham and So it's all down that. that way. Yeah. Okay. So I think, I think it's more towards that way. And I don't know if Huntsville is that close to it. I really don't, I'm not a geography buff. So don't be asking me where <laughs> the geography stuff is. Cause I don't know. It was right. Coleman. Okay. I told you the name of it. <laughs> the four of them, once they were four, they got, he got a job, and they moved to Houston. Okay. Okay? So, they're, they pack up. And where's Houston? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That's in Texas, okay? <laughs> it ain't Houston, Alabama. It's Houston, Texas. All right. So, they, the kids are still pretty young when they do that. So, um, once they got there, people seemed to think that they were another, again, thought they were just the perfect family. They were, you know, they went to the barbecues and they were attending all the block parties and things like that. And everybody thinks, though, everybody thinks that, you know, when you think of somebody as the perfect family, watch out because that those are the ones something gonna go, something gonna blow. And of course, they took vacations, they did all that stuff. And everybody just thought that they were great and they had this stable marriage and they were a happy family. Well, we're going to find out it wasn't all peaches and cream for them. Oh. But let's first talk about these two girls. Okay. At this point in time in 2015, or 16, excuse me, Taylor is 22. She loved to draw and she loved caring for children. Now, I'm going to say she liked, you know, the, the articles all say she loved to draw. But she didn't just love to draw. She was amazing. Her pictures were just breathtaking. Yes, I mean I can't imagine how you could do that. I I can't even draw a stick figure. 
Right. <laughs> I can't even draw a straight line. <laughs> right. I mean, I can't so. do a, a circle without it being like, bleh. So, I can't imagine. And she could, there was one that she did, uh, and I love Angelina Jolie when she plays Maleficent. Mm-hmm. She drew that picture, and you would think that that was a Disney, that it just came from Disney. Because oh, wow. it was perfect. So, I mean, she was really good. She graduated with honors from little, uh, in Cypress, Texas, this little college called Lone Star, Co Lone Star College. And that was in the spring of 2015. Well, at the time, she was working full-time at Kids Are Kids, and that's a, day a daycare center and a preschool in Katy, Texas, which is right around where they live. Um, she was this amazing artist, and it was her hope was to become a professional artist. And she was working towards that goal, and she had a friend that she was, that owned a business, and she was illustrating photo albums and scrapbooks for him professionally mm. at the same time. That's neat. And then she had a longtime boyfriend who was actually, was her fiance, Juan Sebastian Lugo. And they were due Juan. to be married in three days. I know. Poor I Juan. I love that name. Juan. Juan. And they were planning to be married in just three days. Okay. 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 Madison, mm -hmm. the younger one, she was 17. She, too, loved children. And she had been babysitting part-time since she was 14. So all the people in the neighborhood loved to have her there because the kids liked to be around her. She was really good with kids. She was also a member of the National Honor Society. And she was just getting ready to start her senior year. The next year at Seven Lakes High School. So she was looking forward to the fall. She loved to cook. And the family, whenever they came, whenever they had camp, family come down, she was the one that would get up early and make breakfast for everybody. She wanted, she loved to take care of other people. Oh, so she's like the mother hen. She's like a little mother hen. And she Aww. just loved to cook. And do, I can appreciate that. I can so. appreciate that. Can you cook for me? <laughs> I think that you missed the part where, you know, she loved to cook. I, I Not know. love, you know. Yeah. Well, that's I what don't. I was appreciating. Yeah. yeah I okay. don't. So. Well, everybody that knew her said that she was <laughs> always smiling and that everybody just loved her. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to go back in time to about four or five years prior to the incident that has occurred. Okay. Well, as these girls got older, this couple began to have more and more disagreements on how to raise them. Apparently, Christy was the strict one, mm -hmm. and Jason was a lot more lenient with the girls. He thought that they they were good girls, and he felt like he could trust them, and they deserved that, you know, and they deserved to be able to have, be able to go and do things yeah. and all that. And she wanted to keep everybody right here, and I don't want anybody to do anything, and I want them to be right Controlled. here all the time. She was very controlling. Eh. And Jason was more... Where's you going? And he just thought, you know, when you've done your job at a certain point, once the kids are older, until they've done something to prove that you can't trust them, you should trust them. Yeah. I'm thinking more like a helicopter mom. Yeah. Kind and, of style, but I don't know. I mean, is it really considered a helicopter when you're like that? I mean, you're just controlling at that point. I don't know. A helicopter it, just doesn't want you to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I it's think more... It Almost like, um, I don't want to say it's a tiger mom, because theirs is more trying to just, they want them to do 
what they need to do to stay focused and do all that. But she yeah. was just more controlling, I guess. And mm-hmm. she was kind of, she had this obsessive nature about them. He had the OCD, but she was kind of obsessive about the children. But everybody that knew her said that she just loved those girls. Because you couldn't meet Christy without her talking about her, her kids and dragging out pictures and wanting to show them and talk about their accomplishments and everything they did. So she was a proud mom. Yeah. So it, are we all? Well, I'm yeah. a proud mama. I mean, we should be. We should be. And I would kind of expect no less of somebody to, when you meet them, want to tell you about their children. Yes. Yeah. It'd be a little weird to just not talk about your kids at all. I think it would be really weird if you were like, I didn't even know she had kids, you know? Right? That so, is really weird. So, I, I true, think true. that... I think that should be like, uh-huh, yeah. That's like our first thing. I'm a mom. Right. That's it. I mean, I'm a mom. I Everything that I do revolves around that, even now. And my kids are grown. Yep. So, okay. But now, Christy was very close to her grandfather, we talked yes. about that earlier. And she would all call him all the time. And he was the person that she vented to. Aww. You know, everybody has that one person that you just that you trust and that you want to talk to. And he was the person that was going to listen to her. And you know he took her side on everything. Oh, of course. I mean, we're pretty Honey, sure. You're my person and you take my side. <laughs> right. I mean, I can tell you, hey, you might be wrong on this. But I'm going to back you up no matter what. Because I got your back, girl. Got your back. Right? So she had this special bond with him. Mm-hmm. Well, by 2011, they began to see Christy's mental health ha- begin to deteriorate. And she was beginning to call her grandfather and depend on his counsel more and more and more. Well, in June of 2012, he passed away. Or was it 2000? It was 2000. I'm sorry. It was 2015 that he passed away. And when he passed away, his death really, really just devastated Christy. And at that point, they could see a real spiral of her going downhill. Mm-hmm. There well, were... I, mean, I can imagine. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was... You know, when my grandmother passed away, she didn't, she didn't raise me, but... She was such a big part of all of our lives. She was. And it was just devastating. And, and so I can see where she would be devastated by that. Yeah. And now, at this time, just for reference sake, he was not a very rich man. And so he didn't, like, leave her millions of dollars or thousands of dollars or anything. But the only thing that he had to give her that he passed down to her, the main thing was this little thirty-eight caliber pistol that he had. So she cherished that. Okay. And due to her spiraling decline, Jason wanted her to lock that up and put it away. Well, but she, yeah. would re- she refused. She wouldn't have it. And at that time, we started to see things that she would post on Facebook about carrying guns and all that. And she wanted, you know, I'm a gun-toting mama, and she's living in Texas, and that's a big thing in Texas. Oh, yeah. Everybody carries, you know, wants to carry a gun. Well, she applied to have a carry permit, but the state of Texas denied her. Okay, that's a big thing because I don't know. I I didn't think the state of Texas denied nobody their right to carry a gun. 
that that's huge right so we know she had some kind of past mental issues they won't tell us why they denied it but we're pretty sure that the, it's mental issues that were mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. well when she was still suffering that death of her grandfather okay it was just two months later that her mother passed away okay so where's the third one Death going three. Death going three. But we didn't hear about a third one, so okay. I don't know. But I can't imagine, as hard as it was for me when my grandmother passed away, to have had another very close. And I apologize if anybody's hearing us run a cat <laughs> fight in the other room. Um, <laughs> sorry. So sorry. Okay, they have toys going now. Sorry. Uh, we're freaking out there with hearing voices yep this is fun so sorry Got it. okay but i couldn't imagine having another close family member to have passed away at that time and what it would have done to me because when you're already in that that mentality of oh my gosh and i'm so depressed and i can't believe it and all this is going on plus you'd already spiral. had some past mental issues. issues in the past so and we know that her and her mother had not been very close but, um, they, I assume, I have to assume that when you're, the man, that grandfather that she was so close to had passed away, that who would you turn to would be your mom. Yeah. To talk to. Even if you hadn't been that close, you probably were growing closer together. Obviously. I'm, well, at that obviously, point. but, I mean, that's not obvious for some people, but right, for but, me it is. Yeah, so, and for me it would be, I would think that that would be who I would turn to. And so I would think that they became, began to be closer. Because we know at this time she was pulling away from her husband. So yeah. Jason and her were, there was already some things. Because she was in this deep depression and she just, you know, couldn't get out, didn't want to do anything. And she was becoming reclusive. But in this next period of time, she's, she would attempt suicide at least three to four times. Mm -hmm. And she was taking several different medications for depression and anxiety. And she was seeing a therapist not one or two times a month, but one or two times a week. So she was going a lot. Oh, I can't imagine how that would be for her children. I, you to know, see this. Yeah. And to be living in that. And, and, and dealing with right. all the stress. Yeah. And yet, Madison... And during this time, Madison and also Taylor both had extremely high grades. You know, Madison was a National Honor Society. And well, her sister, Ta Taylor, had just graduated with honors that's I mean, from college. So they were, you know, going on with their thing. But during all of this time, Christy was in this deep depression and in this deep funk. She was talking on Facebook just about daily about how perfect her life was and how perfect her children were and all of this stuff. And she, everything was happy. And but she, yet she was so depressed and committing suicide. Trying, trying to, to commit, commit suicide, suicide and doing all those things. Yeah. So, I mean, it just goes to show you that those people that you see on Facebook that are happy, 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 happy lives. Perfect We life. don't know what's going on in the background. That's true. Just, that is so true. You know. 
perfect but, go lucky is never the actual case. So apparently she'd been really friends, kept all of those friends that she had in Alabama, and she wanted all of them to think that everything was happy for them, and they had this perfect life. <laughs> she'd been trying to say that, I guess, all of her, all of their married life. So she didn't want that to go down. But we happen to know that during that time period, the police were called to her home, to their home, at least 14 times. And a few of those were due to an alarm system having some problems. But also, there were at least three or four of those times were for Christie's suicide attempts. Oh, my goodness. That's a, that's a lot of times. That's 14, a lot. That's a lot. Times. For your kids to be going through. Yeah. Mm-mm. So, during all of this time, these Jason and his girls, they had to learn to deal with it. She was very erratic, and um, it began to take a toll on their marriage. So, Jason and Christy had separated at times. Mm. And, um, but the, the thing that I think is odd is normally when people separate, people separate he leaves. Yeah, the man leaves, the woman stays. Christy left, and he stayed with the children in the house. Oh, that's that's very odd. She, but at one point she had a she had her own apartment, and he had he was there with the with the girls. That's how the girls wanted it. Well, I mean, if your mom was chaotic and crazy and trying to kill herself, I would I wouldn't want to stay with her either. Right. But I think that that also shows you, how erratic change. she was. That yeah. she would just leave her children. Yeah. I can't imagine I can't imagine leaving my kids. Oh, me neither. Never in a million years. I mean... My children are my entire life. So, it's just the thought of leaving them is absolutely devastating. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine. I don't care... How depressed I am, that would throw me into more of a depression. Yes. Leaving them. But apparently she was happy-go-lucky and was enjoying herself. So, I don't know. But, I don't know. But for the for the girls, to have somebody who's that erratic and everything, you do grow closer to the one that is the stable. The stable one, yeah. So, so I could imagine I could imagine that. I mean, they're leaning on him for everything. Yeah. And they were he he describes them as his best friends. Yeah. And they were, you know, he said that in one uh interview he called them three po- three peas in a pod. The oh. three of them were. So, um when they he kept taking her back this was the mother of his children. Of course. And he, you know, wanted this to work out. But, um, and so he, every time he would take her back, all she wanted to do was argue. And she wanted to start arguments. And she wanted to do everything. Had to be her way. That never works. And, you know, two people have to get along. Compromise. She wanted to argue about everything from what Taylor or Madison was wearing to where Jason was if he wasn't home immediately after work. I mean, it was, where are you? What have you been doing? You've been, you know, everything. Uh, One of those kinds. Yeah. And everything had to be an argument. <sighs> well, he had recently taken her back. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go back. Don't go back. Yeah, don't. don't ever go back. Okay, sorry. So, sorry, he had recently taken her back. And Taylor and Christy had been having an argument. Christy was planning on 
grounding Taylor. Now, remember, Taylor was 22. She was going <laughs> to ground her and keep her from seeing her fiancé, Juan. Juan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it. I love it. Okay. And, of course, at this point, when Jason hears about this argument, he immediately takes Taylor's side. Well, of course. She's, he's like, Guess she's crazy. Christy, okay. you can't ground her. She's 22. She's graduated from college. She's getting, she's getting married. married. She's just got a few days and she's getting married. You can't do this. That angered Christy and she just was harboring that. And so this particular day is June the 14th of 2016. This is Jason's 45th birthday. Okay? Okay. So. Oh, I don't at this point, Jason tells Christy, he's like, okay, look, I'm filing for divorce. And his quote was, this will be the last birthday that you're going to ruin. It would indeed be. He had already oh, been in touch. Chills. I got cold chills. Oh. We know he had already been in touch with a divorce lawyer. And later that day, Christy calls a family meeting. She wants everybody in the living room. And I can, I can hear this in my head. I want everybody in that living room at this time, right now, let's go. This was at their home at 6011 Remsen Hollow Lane in Katy, Texas. Jason thought, okay, she's either going to get back on this bandwagon of, Taylor, you're going to listen to me and you're grounded. Or she's going to tell the girls, this is it. Your dad and I are getting a divorce. He was fine with either one. And thought, you know, we're going to sit down and have this. And, you know, have a discussion, it's, a family meeting. We're going to have a family meeting. It's going to be a discussion, and that's fine. Yes, it's his 40th birthday, but he doesn't even care at this point. He's just ready to be over. Ugh, we all know there. that feeling. <laughs> so, let's see. He, um, once they all sat down at this meeting and they get around here, they're all sitting, and it, from what I can tell, they were like, you know, they had this huge house. This was not a teeny tiny little house. This mm -hmm. was a nice big house. And this living room had like two couches. And, the, and Jason and the two girls are on one and she's sitting across from them on the other. You know, he had two couches that are in a living room that people yeah. sit and have yeah, discussions. So they're in something like that. When they get in there and they're sitting down, she reaches down into the couch cushions and pulls out her gun. Oh, God. Nothing's going to come easy. Here. Nothing's going to come. Hmm. Okay. So, good coming out of this. at this point, Jason says to her, okay, just shoot yourself. Make it easy on all of us. Just go ahead and shoot yourself. Okay? Yeah. Christy's words, chilling as they are, were, quote, no, that is not what this is about. This is about punishing you. I have cold chills. Oh. Going up and down my spine right now. Okay. When she pulled out that gun at that time, we believe Madison pulled out her phone and called 911. Now, I'm going to tell you, you got teenagers, you got teenagers and young people, they all got their they, phones. Yeah, they got their phones and they can do it all really quick. And they probably had their phones already out. Jason did not call 911. There were three phone, three 911 calls that day. One... None of them were Jason's. Mm -hmm. I believe at 45 years old, he probably didn't even have a phone with him. 
in that room. Uh, most of the time, I can't even find my phone. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're calling a family meeting. I'm not going to go start. i got to search for my phone. So Give me 20 minutes. Let me right, find my phone Right, I'm never going to find Somebody call it. I can't find it. <laughs> That's what it is. And he's like, but your phone's on silent. I know. I know, but call it anyway. Maybe I can anyway. hear it buzz. So, I mean, I'm sure he didn't have his phone, but I'm sure those two girls, you know, as a teenage girl, it's attached to your palm of your hand. You, well, especially you Madison's around. a 17-year-old, right? So. Right. So, the first thing she does when she hears this, because mom and dad are arguing, mom's got a gun out, she calls 911. Smart girl. Smart girl. Exactly. In the background of this, we hear a woman, and everybody is presuming that this is Christy, and she's shouting, I told you! And you, it's kind of garbled, but then you hear Jason shouting, Please forgive me. I'm sorry. And he, and, uh, we hear Christy, uh, we hear all of them are apologizing to Christy. And then one girl is heard yelling, Wait, please don't shoot us. While the other is yelling, Don't do it. Please don't do it. And then you can hear Jason screaming, I promise you, whatever you want, I'll do. And then, the call is dropped. The oh, second 911 call that they received is from Taylor. And in it, you hear screams and you hear shouting, but you can't make out any words. And then the call is lost. At that point, we believe is when Christy had shot, she had already shot both girls while Jason was trying to get them out of the house. So they're running. I've got cold chills all over my entire body. Oh my goodness. And he's trying to get them out of the house and she's shooting. She shot both girls by this time. The third 911 call that was received that day was from a neighbor, the next door neighbor. He gives us uh, he gives us a second by second account of what's happening outside of the home. Of course, nobody knows exactly what happened inside of that home except Jason and his portrayal of it and he's yet to talk about it. Ugh. Can't blame him. I don't know. So, but this second, this um, third 911 call from this neighbor, he's telling the operator, he's saying, there's a lady with a gun. They're lying in the street. They're in the middle of the street. She's trying to shoot. She's trying to shoot again. She don't have no more bullets. She's going inside the house now, hopefully not to get more bullets. She looks like she's going to go looking for more bullets. <laughs> she's so coming back again. She's na- he's narrating. And this poor 911 operator is going, I'm so sorry you're seeing that. I'm so sorry you're seeing that. I'm so sorry. Is that we want you to be safe? He's like, I can't, I can't tell you. I got to take my kid, my son back. I got to get my son safe. So they're, you know, he's, he's worried for his family. You can't blame him. So he misses a little bit of it, but he's told them that they're lying in the middle of the street and that he, she, she's shooting. Apparently she's over the top of them and she, of, at this point, we do know that Taylor is the youngest. She... No, Madison's the youngest. Oh, yeah, okay. Sorry. Madison is the youngest. She didn't make it too far out of the front door before she succumbed to her injuries. Taylor had made it more so into the cul-de-sac where they lived, into the street. And... At this point, Jason had been trying to help the girls out, and he's running, and he's going to a neighbor's house and knocking on doors trying to get somebody to call 911, because, again, he didn't have his phone. The girls did, and I'm sure he probably 
in all that chaos, I can imagine that you're knowing that the girls have called 911. Well, there's whatever. also no telling where the phone is now after you're trying right. to just get the children out of the house. Right. Calls have been dropped. We don't know if they've got them, if they still have them in their hands or what. Yeah. But he's trying to get somebody. So he's knocking on doors and yelling. And, and we do know that one of the ladies there said that she was trying to let him in. To, and he's just yelling, call 911, call 911. And so... Um, Madison is at the, somewhere between the, the stoop and the front door and into the, into the yard, we believe, which was the, this is a big neighborhood, big houses, but you know, a lot of those, the yards are small in the front. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a small front yard and it's, they're in a cul-de-sac and so they're somewhere in between there. We've not seen actual pictures of where the bodies were. But they're in the street, and um, at that point, the neighbor starts to yell. She shot. She was over the top of him, and she's shooting. And she's there's no more bullets. She's out. So she's going back into the house. He's been at the house telling these neighbors, "I need you to call nine one one. I need you to call nine one." It didn't take her long. She must have had those bullets nearby, ready because, to go. Yeah, because she came back out. She mm -hmm. stands over the top of her daughter, Taylor, and shoots her again. By this time, the neighbor is on the phone at her yelling that she shot her again. Oh no, she shot her again. And Christy, at, at that point, the officers had already arrived. So you, he could hear, he was telling her, I see, I hear the officers, I hear I hear the policemen. And you could hear the, and there were multiple, I mean, it was, and this all happened within like fi a five minute period. Mm -hmm. So these officers got there quick. Yeah. They didn't, they did not waste any time. I will give them a great, aware, you know, a, a shout out for that. Yeah. So, but at that time, when he she is standing over Taylor, you can hear Jason in the background. He was yelling. Other other people had said they were they could hear him yelling, "Don't do this! Those are our kids!" While she's shooting, and at that time, the police had seen her, had saw her shoot the uh, Taylor. And they tell her to drop the gun and to drop the weapon. Mm. The most chilling part of this is that she just smiled at them and walked toward them with her gun out. And, of course, the officer shot her. One shot killed her. She fell back and died. So, Christy successfully committed suicide by cop. And she punished Jason in the absolute worst way possible. Oh, that is so awful. How could you even, mm, how could you do that to a These were not young, they children, were young children, but they were they your were, children. <laughs> they're still your babies. Right. I mean, you will always be my baby. Well, I don't care how old you are. Please don't shoot me. <laughs> I ain't gonna shoot you. I don't know. Earlier you might have. <laughs> <laughs> we passed that stage now. We passed it. But... 
In this very short amount of time, Christy shot Madison once in the neck. She bled out before the police even arrived. Oh, poor baby. And then she shot Taylor twice before going back in the house and reloading. And then she came back out, and while the police were arriving and getting out of their car, she stood over Madison and shot her once more in the back. Madison was airlifted to the hospital. Amazingly, she was not dead at that point, but she did die not long after that. She had been shot three times in the head and back. Yeah. So... But did Taylor die immediately then? She did not die immediately. She did make it airlifted, and she did make it to the hospital, but they could not save her during surgeries and such. She did not make it from there. Okay, so that was Taylor, not Madison? That was Madison. I'm sorry. I don't know why these two names... I have nieces that are Taylor and Madison, and it just keeps getting mixed up in my head. Sorry. Yeah. But... Okay, Madison was the one. She was airlifted. Taylor did not make it. She was shot um, once in the neck. And Madison... No. Madison was the youngest. Yes. She was the one that was shot once in the neck and bled out. Taylor is the one that was airlifted and did not make it. She was the one that was shot. Yes, sorry. I wrote it down wrong in my notes, and that's why I'm getting confused. I apologize. Okay. Okay. okay so, so, Taylor got it a little bit more. She did. She didn't die right away. She apparently knew that Madison wasn't moving, so she didn't go back to shoot her again. Or it's maybe either that or... That was my baby, and I'm not going to do anything else to her. Or it could be the fact that they fought... And, that she, and she was mad at Taylor. She was at the still time. mad at Taylor. Yeah, I mean, there's so many what ifs, and she didn't make it. She didn't live for anybody to ask her why would you do this, or what was your thought process, or what was going through your head. She took the coward's way out. Yeah, and I know that the information is kind of scattered, and we don't know who, what, when, and where exactly how it all happened. But you have to realize that this was so fast that this 911 call that came from the neighbor. And this was right after they had came out of the house that he started that. It was only about eight minutes long. And he was on the line after the shootings for a while. So he didn't just, you know, bing, bang, boom, and then he was off the phone. And it lasted eight minutes there. I mean, it was a very short, short period of time. And I, um, a lot of people say now, what... <laughs> was happening where was Jason during all this time when she's standing over Taylor and she's shooting and she's doing this and well he's and running Madison. to go get help he was trying to get help I mean he was begging her to stop and he was doing all the things I guess that he could do why was he not you know laying down over over T- Taylor maybe but I don't know I mean he had been out running to go get help for these, for his children, who had well, already been already shot, he was trying to get them out. Her goal was not to shoot him, but to shoot them. That was her ultimate thing because she said, "This is not about the, you. This is about punishing, punishing you." you. Mm. So, Jason is. We really don't know all of it about him because Jason himself never spoke in public about it. He did do one interview with Doctor Oz. In September of 2016. 
this was what it was in june of 2015 that this occurred so it's not even a year later it's about nine months later or so yeah so he has well no june in 2015 and so that, it was a year and was it was june months. of 2016 that he was oh. let me look back because i think it was two maybe in 2016 let me look back real quick and make sure of the date no it was 2016 in june so it was a couple in september months. so it's about June to September, that's about three months later before he does anything, before he talks to anybody, which, you know, nowadays... They talk immediately. It's a couple of weeks later and they're talking. Yeah. So he didn't... He had never done any kind... And this is the only interview that I can find that he's ever done. He's not wanted to gain any any fame from this, you know. He just wanted to go on and live his life. But um, he did this one, this one interview... And when Dr. Oz asks him, he says, you know, well, can you tell me about what happened that day? And he says, no, I can't. He says, I can't. It's too hard for me to speak about it. And I could only imagine. I could only just, I could just only imagine on how horrific yeah. it would be to try to go back and to talk about that hor horrific moment in time. Uh he says he can't do it because he just that's all he sees in his head he can't bring that out to say and I could not mm. and I wouldn't want him to go back through that no. I couldn't imagine going through that pain on a on a can't imagine asking somebody basis to try to go back to that moment right the, the worst day of what could ever be anybody's worst day of their life how you could ask them to go back but he did mainly speak in it about how he loved his daughters and what he did. But, you know, people were all like, well, why did she shoot at them and she didn't do anything? But he does say that he, she, Christy had shot at him about three times that day, too. So he was shot at, but he was never, he actually, became, he came out of it uninjured to the, physically uninjured. He was yeah, never, he, he, was, he, was, he never was very um, injured in, in every other way. Mm. So, but there was, the the closest that he's ever come to talking about it, he wrote a statement on Facebook, and this was posted on August the 5th, and I'm going to read it. It's a little lengthy, but it's so heartbreaking and so sweet from him. He says, and this is August the 5th, so this is right at two, a little less than two months. Yeah. He says, today is a very difficult day for me. I'm finding myself being upset and even a little bit angry about what happened. I do not blame God for what happened. I blame the evil brought into this world by Satan. I do miss my two wonderful angels, Taylor Sheets and Madison Sheets. I get upset by people who want to try and make a victim of my children's murderer. She had two lives. The one she posted on Facebook because she cared so much what her old friends thought about her. And the life she lived with my daughters and me. She left it public. And he's referring to her Facebook page. He said she left it public for a reason. She wanted the world to see the fake life she portrayed on Facebook. She wanted everyone to believe her life was awesome. But it wasn't. She wasn't awesome. She let her husband work two jobs for four years while she didn't have a job. I encouraged her to get a career even building her resume for her and trying to get her hired at my place of work, telling her she could do anything to which she set her mind. However, 
Her fear of failure always won out. She was afraid to try because she was afraid to fail. She relied on who she used to be, and she was the person in text and Facebook posts to her friends. But she was quite different in real life. The woman I love died when her grandfather died four years in two ago in 2012. I did say 2015 earlier. I apologize. She went into a downward spiral, spiral and tried committing suicide on three or four occasions with me, once wrestling a gun out of her hand that she had pointed at herself. Every time she was put into a hospital, she would straighten up and act like she had it all together, and I would get her out. That was a mistake for which I am still paying and probably always will due to the loss of my wonderful angels. My message to all those who want to rationalize what she did, you can't. Mm -hmm. Nothing that happened in our marriage gave her any right to do what she did to her own innocent children. We didn't get along for years. We got counseling. She was depressed. She'd go to a psychologist once or twice a week, not once a month. She had low self-esteem. Fear ruled her life. It was her fear of failure, not fear of me. She didn't fear me. She always wanted to be the victim, and she portrayed anything negative that ever happened in our home as anyone else's fault but hers. In 23 years of marriage, she might have said she was sorry less than 10 times. Not kidding. She didn't love me because who would sit at home even with some illness in her life, and let their husband work two jobs for four years. There were times I left at 5.45 a.m. and got home after 9 or 10 p.m. I missed my girls, but I was also doing the tutoring so the girls wouldn't need to struggle for money. My former spouse's actions and words had tormented them for years, even about their self-image. She constantly tried to lift herself up at their expense. She told them, when I was your age, I was a size blah, blah, blah. And she would wear their clothes as if to say, look at me. She wanted plastic surgery for her birthday and anniversary gifts. The girls always thought she took the easy way out. My girls worked out and both were doing great. Madison had lost almost 10 pounds in the last few weeks. Taylor worked out like a champ almost every day. They were both happy with who they were, and I think that ticked her off even more. In the last few years, she almost never loved on them, almost never hugged them or kissed them, almost never told them how much she loved them, things I did because I wanted to do them every day. She didn't love them, and she proved it by doing what she did. If she had a problem with me, then she had her chance when I tried to get off the couch and she pointed the gun straight at my chest. It was pure evil to harm innocent, wonderful, amazing, precious angels to try and hurt me. They did nothing. They deserved to live. She should have shot me and then herself if she had that much ill will and evil in her heart toward me. I admit, I had been very angry in my life, but it never crossed my mind to harm my children because I was mad at someone else, or even if I was upset with them, which was almost never. My girls and I were peas in a pod. We loved doing almost everything together. We laughed and loved on each other all the time, and we almost never missed a chance to say I love you. I missed them dearly. I feel so empty inside, like two big pieces of me are missing, and I will never get them back. Sometimes I feel like I can't remember them as well as I should, and I feel guilty. 
Maybe my mind is still trying to push the images of that day out of my mind for sanity's sake. I pray no human ever has to experience what I experienced that day, ever. God has carried me this far and will continue to carry me. My friends and family here in Alabama love on me constantly and comfort me more than I can put into words. They have successfully spread my grief over a longer period of time instead of letting it slam me all at once and crush my spirit. For this help and support, I am eternally grateful. Thank you for all your prayers of support and the blessings you have all given to me with your kind posts and messages. I have received thousands from all over the corners of the world. Australia, New Zealand, China, Austria, Norway, Finland, Ghana, and the Philippines, France, England, etc. It gives me hope that maybe, just maybe, this world is not lost to evil. God bless you all and thank you all for your support. He writes Psalm 116, 1 and 2. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear on me, I will call him. I will call on him as long as I live. Oh my, I my can't whole body is an entire chill. Yeah, I, I, I just can't imagine what he went through. I can't imagine somebody. I mean, that's right. You get mad at somebody. You don't hurt your kids because of it. To get back at them. That is the absolute the, the worst thing in the entire freaking world. As a mother, your whole instinct should be to protect those children, not to hurt them. I don't understand people that abuse children, and I don't understand how... Well, the mental abuse that these children are going through. Yeah, I mean, she'd been putting them through it for years, mentally. But everybody was saying, you know... Oh, she loved she them. Was, she She's loved so... these kids. She bragged on them all the time. But she didn't brag... If she was bragging on them, she wasn't bragging to them. It's more important that you brag to them than anything else. So, I just don't understand. I can't fathom why you would hurt those children... To get back at your... To get back at your, your husband. husband. It... That has no... It, it, it doesn't make any sense in any... Any sense? At it's all. I, my heart aches for him. Yeah. It absolutely aches. Yeah. I couldn't, I, I just, I can't fathom the pain. But, and Christy had been unstable for years. You know, we talked about she would try to have, uh, commit suicide. She was up and down. She had all these highs and lows and all this stuff. And she was going to counseling. And my first thought is, she was going to counseling one or two times a week. Why didn't they see this? But well, the I thing mean, is, she had had no violence in her past. And it was something that even her therapists were shocked by because they they'd not seen that come up in their therapy sessions that she was angry enough to hurt anybody. Yeah, because if that's the case, they have to... They have to turn her they in. Have to, they have to report it. Right. They'd have to report it. So there was... Apparently, there was none of that being seen. So... It was just senseless, and nobody could. Well, she portrayed a life, right? And everything was stuff. wonderful. I mean, it's amazing that somebody can do that. But you're already putting that all over Facebook. I'm sure she's going in there and portraying her life in a different way there too. Yeah, stating that everything is fine, everything is perfect. It doesn't. 
she's not crazy. Right. And I had read in articles that she had started to drink heavily and Ugh. things. And to me, nothing makes sense. But it could make a little more sense if you think that she's, she's on that with pills. She's on these medications for depression and for anxiety, and she's now drinking wine heavily and, and all the time. But I never heard that being confirmed by anything of um, by Jason at all that she was drinking heavily or anything. So I couldn't find anywhere where he confirmed that. It was so I think that yeah, might be a, wants, a hearsay. Who, I mean, he wants to talk about her, right? And he doesn't. If you notice when he's in that in that thing that he's writing, he he says something about his children's mother, and then he says about his former spouse, and that's too much. This, this was not. He was divorced from her, so this is his former spouse. This was. She's. He's. I'm a widow. He's actually widowed, but he wants nothing to be even. Con to be construed that he's widowed from her. This was his former spouse. He wants nothing to do with her. Oh, I'm just, I'm so angry. I'm so angry. Because there, how could anybody ever do this? I don't care how old a child is. They're still your babies. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. there were a lot of things in there. And he talks about, you know, she didn't, she didn't work. She did that. But while she was separated from him at that point, you know, we had talked about how she yeah, had been she, separated she at out. one point. She had moved out. She worked for a short period of time for this tattoo removal shop out in in Houston during that time. And the owner of this shop had um, <clears throat> said, now on her LinkedIn, she said that she managed the place. That okay. she managed this tattoo the owner says she didn't do that. She was a part-time receptionist. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, so this is the part of the portraying the lifestyle. The, that she was, you know, that yeah. She Even on LinkedIn, she she was trying to portray how it was all perfect and she was all this. And he kept trying to tell her. She only worked there for like three months. And she had put on there that she'd been working for years for them. And he kept telling her, I want you to take that down. And she wouldn't take it down. <laughs> that she was this, you know. And he had fired her. And she was, you know, she's working for him and going on. I mean, this, these are things that you just see that... It's crazy. Crazy people do, you know. So, I don't know. Yes, therapy can help a lot of people if they're honest. And I don't know that she could ever have been honest within she with more a therapist like a or anything. Liar. Yeah. So multiple personality disorder. So they're not going to know that she's wanting to hurt them because she's not telling them. She's yeah. not being forthcoming in that therapy, I feel like, anyway. And in Jason's Facebook post, he talks about how she wanted she wanted plastic surgery for her gifts. All, everything for her was about appearance. Her appearance and her appearance to other people. How their their family appeared to everybody else. To me, that's another sign that there's a lot of things that just aren't right. When somebody is so focused on what the they look like looks. and what everybody thinks of them rather than what they really are. Instead of trying to work on what's really going on, she just wants everybody to think that everything's okay. Yeah. So... Not working on the inside, just the outside. And that day, she told him that she wanted to punish him. And she did. Because oh, that's she the worst did. thing. That is the absolute worst thing that could. Yeah, and in one of the. 
I do, we will link to some of these articles at the end of this in, in our description. If anybody wants to read any of them or see them, there, I'll have a link to the Dr. Oz show where he talks to him. And also, there's a, a news, uh, some articles that have like little news clips and stuff. And when you see them, they're basically having to carry him off of the scene because he just is already at that point. He is just bro so broken. It was horrible. And she had every opportunity that she could have shot and killed him. But she didn't, that's not what she wanted. Yeah. And to me, that's not being, being depressed and anxious. That's psychotic. It but, is. Yeah. I mean, and during all of her hospital stays and therapy sessions, nobody saw that she was capable of hurting anybody. She manipulated everybody. She did. She was just manipulative. That's, I think, one of the best words for her. Mm. And she kept, all she wanted to do was those Facebook posts again, you know. And Jason said that all she would do was nag these girls about anything in their life that she didn't think was perfect. You're not the right size. You're not the right weight. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. So they, all she did was criticize them. Mm -hmm. So it's just amazing, you know. And... She used to be a size X when I when I was your age. Who gives a flip what size you were or what size they are? They were good people. They were good people. They had more than just... It's not just about looks. Right. It's not. It's not. It's about the inside beauty. And, you know, if that's all you're worried about, I, I, I feel for somebody that that's all that they think about is what they look like. There is this Facebook page that I found called Christy Taylor and Madison Sheets to Triple Homicide in slash Katie, Texas. And this I found and ran across it during this research. And the page itself hadn't been updated since 2016. But I was reading over some of the posts and comments. And to me, it was apparent in there that a lot of these were just trying to gossip and stir things up. And they mm. wanted to speculate that Jason... He was probably cheating on her and that drove her to this. Okay. It doesn't... That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if somebody cheats. If my husband was cheating on me... I'm not going to kill my, my children. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> right? I mean, hey, Lorena Bobbitt... Had a better idea than Christy Sheets. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who thinks that, oh, well, I'm just going to, because he cheated, I'm going to kill my children. Right. No. My You cheated. If I'm going to kill somebody, it's going to be you, sucker. Right. I don't want nothing that, from you. I don't even want to do that. I just want you gone. I'm going to just take my children and leave. I'm just going to leave. I'm not going to kill anybody. I, I mean, I don't have that in me to do, but I'm definitely not going to kill my children. I want to take my children and leave and get out of that situation. Yeah. And, you know, you do what you do. But I'm not going to stay here and put up with it. So, I mean, I don't understand people that want to go onto Facebook and just start crap. And try and make it over somebody else's. It was somebody else's fault. It was his fault. It was, it was Christy's fault. I don't care what Jason was doing. I don't care if he was sleeping with the neighbor and the neighbor's sister and the neighbor's daughter or anybody else. It didn't give her the right to kill those girls. 
and it did give her the right to do anything else. If you're it that miserable, right then kill, kill yourself. Yes. And I'm, you know, I hate to think of somebody killing themselves either, but I am definitely not for killing your children. No. Never. <sighs> okay. Um, we did kind of glide over Jason's OCD. And they do discuss that more in the Dr. Oz thing. Mm -hmm. And, well, because um, he's a doctor. Yeah. And so they do. But I did find these six steps that are how to overcome OCD tendencies. He talked because Jason talks about how his, um, in this interview, how his faith is what has healed him. Mm -hmm. And how he is, and he's, I mean, this was only a few months into it. He's not healed completely, and you know he's not. And he can't even speak their names without tears coming to his eyes. And he is, you know, but... Yeah, I saw parts of the video. It's, it's very... It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's hard to watch it, and it really is. But in it, I think that some of the reasons he's able to do as well as he is, because I don't know if I would be able to even sit up anymore. He, because he, these strategies that he's been, I think he's probably been using them forever. using these since he was nine. The first one is to practice mindfulness to manage stress. So there's the two characteristics of OCD are high anxiety and the presence of intrusive thoughts. So he focused on his fate to manage through all of this. Yeah. So I think that was easier for him to do. And one of them was to get plenty of exercise he does say he's a he was a runner before, and he runs a lot now. Dr. Oz asked him if he slept, and he said he does sleep with medication. He said that sleeping was not his problem. It was getting to sleep was his problem. I could imagine that. I, yeah. Oh, uh, to I avoid I could, nicotine yeah. and alcohol, so I don't think he's a, a drinker or any of that. Reach out to family and friends, and he did talk in that thing about his family and his friends were supporting him, and they were there with him, and they were helping him to get through that so that things were not all coming down on him. And it said to find an ERP therapist, and it, and I'm sure that he is in therapy. I mean, I just can't imagine. You can't live through something like this. And not, and go, not to therapy. go to therapy. Whether, I mean, he does say it's faith that is getting him through that. And whether it's therapy with a pastor, or whether it's a therapy with a psychiatrist or whatever, you're there you sometime, you know, even a group therapy of getting together people that have loss in their families, yeah. you know, something. And then also we read, we, in all of this, everybody focused on, and I guess, I mean, it's rightly so with Jason, but there was also another victim of this crime that was completely innocent of this, and that was Juan, because he was due to marry Madison in three days. Three days. This happened on a Friday, and they were due to get married on Monday. They were going to go to the courthouse and get married. The two of them had been, um, they were, they didn't have a lot of money to have a big wedding right now. They wanted to wait on that, but they wanted to just go ahead and get married. They couldn't wait. And <clears throat> so they were looking forward to that. And apparently it was something that Christy had a problem with. We don't know why, because Jason speaks of him very highly and said that he was wonderful to her and that he had told him many times before even this had occurred how he had, 
he was so glad that she had found somebody that would treat her that way. The way that she deserved to be treated. And he's, uh, Dr. Oz did speak to him during that same show, and it was sad. He said that he wasn't doing well, and he was just trying to get through each day as it came. As for where they are, Jason claimed the bodies of Madison and Taylor, and he took them back to uh, Alabama. They were laid to rest in Limestone Memorial Gardens in Athens, Alabama on July the 2nd. He did not claim the body of Christy. Don't blame him. Cannot blame him. Right. From what we can find is she was claimed by a family member and that she was cremated. We don't know if she was, if they put her body somewhere or not. We don't know any of that. Mm -hmm. We don't know what family member claimed her or anything else. Her family. But Jason, oh, I, I feel for their family. What a horrible uh, stigma to have on your your family and your family name that this yeah. is happening to you. And then you have to take her. And then you've got to, and, and yeah, and you've <laughs> got to pay for her to be cremated. You got to, and I'm sure they're, none of them are happy with her, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, Jason has now moved to Decatur, Alabama. I did find that he was, he has been remarried. He, he married a woman named Monica Sparks on May 7th of 2017. And yes, that was a little over a year after the incident. And I think that this sparked, uh, this, I can't say that this sparked that on Facebook because that, I couldn't see where anything had been posted since 2016 on there. Mm -hmm. So this is after 2017. So it's, it's not. It's not right after. It's, yeah, it's not right after, but. But good for him. Yeah. I mean, he and Monica apparently, you know, they wanted to talk about him cheating on her, but it wasn't with Monica because Monica has never been was never in Texas, from what I can find. She has been in Alabama. Apparently, they went to the same high school. And when these girls were, I thought it was really sweet. In one of the articles, when these girls, when he took them back and they had a memorial service and they did all mm -hmm. this, his high school, a lot of the members of his high school, came together and went to this funeral. To support him gives me just chills that to think that this was a everybody's coming to support this man who went through the worst tragedy of his entire life how well you know we talked about he was well liked and he was how well liked was he that 20 something years later they all say no we all need to go as yeah. many of us as can we need to go and see I can him. see the cold chills. I know. It's I have them too. All up and down oh. my legs and arms. It's just, it's, it does. It's just it's, absolutely amazing. It, it really is. Definitely need support. And so he, I, I don't know. He's, I don't, I haven't heard him talk about it, but I almost wonder if they didn't meet and that. talk and, you know, have a connection, not at their funeral necessarily, but maybe just these groups of people probably were because he talked about his family and his friends being there to support him i just have to feel like maybe they talk and she said you know and something grew from that it's what i like to think anyway yes how well, i'm gonna take it okay it's a year afterwards he already was trying to divorce her so there is no i don't even care there is no i gotta get right there's no he's not a he's not a widow he was divorcing her 
he's not claiming her. This person killed his children. She was dead so, to him at that point. <laughs> I mean, I mean, literally, she died that okay. day. But I mean, yes, she died that day. But but his feelings with, di with divorce papers. It's I mean, you had divorce papers. I mean, you obviously went to the lawyer right. to get this. You already ended it. It's ended. It's ended in there. But there's a so you're already so there's a guilt feeling, and you still on. have some feelings, and you go with that. And and if she had died, and he was a widower, like a normal widower, and your spouse had just died, you grieve them. Yeah, you're not no grieving her. She killed no. my kids. No, I, I'm not. I'm not grieving her. I'm, there's no loss. There is there. No loss. The only loss is my children. Right. So there was nothing from that. No, I think it's amazing that he found somebody to help him through. I do too, and and he seems to be very happy with her, and I and I believe that she has a daughter that he's become quite close to, good. which is good. I you know I'm thrilled for him in that. Now, Juan, I had to stop to try and find something out Ooh, about Juan. him, <laughs> and I did find an, an Instagram page. Uh -huh. And I, it looks like the same one, and I have to say, I cannot read a lot of it because he uh, has, from what I can tell, he's in Ecuador now. Okay. So, I think he left the state when this happened. How did I blame him? I can't either. I'm sure he wanted to go home and, you know, grieve with his family, but or friends or something, or maybe his job. And he took a transfer because, hey, I, I need to get out of here. Yeah. But it looks as if he got married in 2017 as well. And that he has a little girl now named Anna Paula. He had her in 2018. Very sweet. And I think he's, and again, I think he lives in Ecuador. So I have to say to congratulations to John, to Juan, John, oh, Juan. And I hope that he is truly as happy as he can be at this time. I hope he can be, too. It's a little... I mean, who am I to judge? But it seems really soon for somebody who was just... I mean, just getting married. They were getting married in three days. And then in a year, yeah, I find out he's been married. No, I don't know. But, again, he's in another country now. So, I don't... And nobody knows about what he's went through. Yeah. But, but, I mean, who are, to say I mean, this wasn't somebody he knew before. And who are we to judge? Right. I mean. On anything, so. The grief, I think that when you go through such a grief like they went through, the two of them, because while Jason was looking and watched this happen, Juan just, he was marrying her, and then in ten minutes he finds out she's, she's gone, you know. There's got to be a, a depth of grief that is so hard that... You almost kind of shut that off. You Yeah, I don't think you can process it enough that once you find somebody, you're going to attach real quickly if you can. Yeah. So, I have to say, I don't, I'm not... I'm not upset with it. I understand, and yeah. I hope he's happy. I mean, Get some happiness out of this because this is a horrific thing that happened to both of them. Yeah, and I can't think... They're just as much of a victim as anybody I else. I can't help but think that Taylor is happy for him because she loved him and she would want him to be happy. Yes. And that Taylor and Madison together 
are happy for Jason because they want they would want him to be happy as well. That is so true. So, you know, I have to say that that's it, you know. So that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you for listening to Mama's Nightmare. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcast, Podbean, Google, uh, Google Podcast, or wherever you're listening. Your comment can be anything, even just one word. The words help us get an algorithm. It helps us get our name out there. You can also hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss out on our next nightmare, where Alicia's going to tell us about Catherine Knight. We also do have a Facebook and an Instagram at Mama's Nightmare Pod, where we will be posting pictures from this episode. Also, if you have any suggestions on cases that you would like us to cover, please email us at mamasnightmarepod at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Alicia and Rhonda, and we hope you have nothing but 